welcome to Step by Step Imaginarium with me, Hayden Cohen. The show where we ask, what one thing would you do to change the world? If that answer is let the public decide how far they agree with a bunch of closet racists, careerist Tories and out-and-out xenophobes, then sorry. Been there, done that about to get the freedom of movement revoked, and a dramatic fall in the value of the pound along with a bolstering of support for those who believe in fewer workers' rights, a removal from something anti-democratic when you mostly have no problem with a House of Lords or a German royal family, and a mythical land filled with curry houses with no one left to work for them unless they're not from the EU anyway, you absolute fuckwits. That's some tasty non-broadcasting impartiality rules for me, as no one's paying me a salary. Screw you, Ofcom, and screw you, Brussels. I can do what I want. That little England has clearly did on the 23rd of June. You changed the world for the worse. Well done. Slow hand clap. To celebrate, let's all have a glass of lukewarm perry and half a stale Eccles cake. At least we have a stable set of politicians that aren't all going into self-destruct mode. The choice is either the Linton Crosby evil overlord-led Tories, sorry I haven't a Labour, or I can't believe it's not Labour. They're so bad I'm even considering voting Lib Dem. Lib Dem. <laughs> That's the entirety of all your choices until it's not, and something else happens like an alien invasion and we're all begged to hide in one of Donald Trump's golf course bunkers. I'm over it. I'm more over it than a dog's leg over another doggy fancies. I'm more over it than a captain realising they're manning a sinking ship when the waters reach their nostrils. I'm more over it than an England footballer's attempt at aiming for goal. <laughs> Look at me doing a sports show. Basically, we're all screwed unless you're going to die within the next decade and you'll be fine because you're dead. And to all those who think this is a brave new world, just remember the novel. They euthanised everyone when they reached the age of 60. That would have resulted in a very different outcome now, wouldn't it? <laughs> anyway, life moves on, and the world needs changing more now than ever. I've informed all the performers that the referendum talk is banned because I'm both a huge hypocrite and I want a distraction from my own internal monologue of expletive-laden ranting. However, in much the same way that the people ignored the so-called experts or as I like to call them, experts. <laughs> I expect and they hope that the performers will ignore that piece of advice. On the show today, we have self-flagellating comedian Elise Harris, Holly Dillon, a mime act who's a perfect choice to be on an audio-only podcast, funny man Alex Keeley, who makes me feel old, Sorry, yeah, you, you kind of do. Uh, Jake Yap of Talk Radio, BBC, and Charlie Brooker's various wipes fame, and joining us via live telephone link. I, I am smiling, by the way. Uh, Anne Widdicombe. Yes, it actually is Anne Widdicombe, and not some sound alike, although it is on the phone, so who knows. I'll probably refrain from mentioning the referendum, or in fact, the first four minutes of this episode. Seriously, I'm nervous she'll jump down the phone and whack me with a rolled-up copy of the Daily Express. However, I hope you've noticed that we have a full three token women on the show today. Um, so my job is to host and introduce the show. Job done. Let's welcome our first guest. And the first guest 
is going to be Mr. Jake Yap. Okay, so I was thinking how, how to improve the world, and um, my first, I was just trying to think sort of laterally, right? Because, you know, you don't, you don't really want real answers, you want sort of moderately amusing ones or whatever. Um, and, uh, you, you know, Edward de Bono, the lateral thinker, they asked, well, he, he came up with this book called Lateral Thinking in the 70s or something, and uh, it's great mind and someone asked him in a newspaper article I read like 20 years ago and it always stuck with me they said how would you solve the parking problem in, in London and he said uh, everyone should be allowed to park anywhere they like for as long as they like as long as they leave their headlights on I thought that's a brilliant <laughs> idea isn't it it's such a good... so I was trying to think laterally along those so I, I came up with this idea right which is I think we should make owning bikes illegal Perfectly legal to, to ride one, but illegal to own one, right? And do it right, like right now, do it right now. So not, no selling them on eBay, not, like, not, like effective now, it's illegal to own a bike. Then everyone would just dump their bikes in the street, right? And then, but it's perfectly legal to ride one. So then everyone could just use all the bikes. There's plenty, there's enough bikes, you know? We don't need to make any more bikes. And then everyone would use bikes because they're just around. Right? And then that would minimise the use of cars and save the planet. But who'd repair the bikes? Who'd repair the bikes? I'm glad you asked me that. I thought of that. <laughs> I thought of that. I thought that um, with the money you'd save in terms of subsidising uh, public transport, like you could take some of that subsidy and put it into bike maintenance or something. Or you could... I mean, I'm assuming that post-referendum now, all the foreign people living here are going to get put into slave camps. So we could just use. Come on, guys! Think out of the, think out of the box. I mean, it's the way the country's going is. I mean, there's, there's, there's got to be some advantages. Terrifying. So um, that was my first idea. Do you, do you want my next idea, or do you want to interrogate it some more? Um, it's a good idea, right? I mean, it's, yeah, it's it's an idea. Well, what do you think? Is it a good idea by by show of cheering and coins? Yeah. Yeah, there you go. Yes, there. That's a, yeah, thanks very much. I mean, you did just ask them to. You ask anyone to cheer and or cheer anything. I ask for. I usually just ask for coins, just in the street. You know, I'm ever so sorry to trouble you, ladies and gentlemen. I'm trying to get a place to stay. Trying to buy a house in Knightsbridge, ladies and gentlemen. I'm ever so sorry to trouble you on your way home. Um, sorry. Uh, so that was my first idea. My second, I stayed with transport because I, you know, I think transportation is like the, one of the biggest problems. I could go, I could, I could go off on a vegan bent for a long time. I've been talking five minutes. I had to tell you, um, <laughs> it's a vegan law. You know, it's killing me. God, that's better. Um, so uh, I stayed with transport because I thought, you know, it's, it's a big problem and pollution, you know, right? And I, I had this great idea, right? Let's, let's beautify our country, because, you know, you want the big idea, right? You don't want yeah. some stupid realistic idea. Right, so let's put all, let's beautify our country. Let's take back control uh, of our countryside and put all roads underground. All of them. 
You know, like, cause like in Paris, like they, they've got lots of underground roads. Oh, God, I was, I'm referencing Diana now, aren't I? I didn't mean that. I, but, no, but, okay, maybe it's a bad idea. It's a bad idea. To, to be fair, we do have a Daily Express journalist on later. So. Okay, well, there you go. We're in the zone. I was just warming you up. But, um, no, they've got, like, I think they've got, like, the, one of their biggest, one of their big places. Like, this, it, it's all underground now. Like, it's like a big roundabout, but they put the whole thing under the thing so that, you know, oh, it's this beautiful vista that you've got now and people can walk freely around and avoid the dog muck because it's Paris. Um, but uh, yeah, all the roads are underground. And I thought, like, you'd have a more beautiful country, you'd have a safer country for pedestrians and that. And, uh, and, they've, got, and they've got bikes now to be able to... And the bikes are illegal. Yeah, yeah, bike ownership is illegal. So, um, but then I thought what you could do, right, is you've effectively then got like a sealed environment you could capture all of the exhaust fumes and like sequester them somewhere, somehow, or something, right? Guys, guys, <laughs> they've all gone. Just leave the fumes down there. Exactly, you're right, that's a good idea. <laughs> yeah. yeah, should we go for a drive? <gasps> no, I, just, I thought that's quite a good idea, right? Because then you can, you can actually carbon capture and, and this woman's looking at me like, I should be sectioned under the... So, but like, I think it's a nice... But, I mean, as an environmentalist, though, surely the environmental impact of having all roads underground might kind of mitigate your environmentalism a bit. Um, no. <laughs> because uh, with the extra soil you had you could put it on roofs and grow plants on them. <laughs> Thank you very much. One point to me, I think. So, I, I, I'm sorry, I do need to do... This is a very quick sidetrack, but it is quite an entertaining one. There's a building in Leeds um, where it had the largest room in Europe, and it was a flax mill, and... Flax gets very, very hot, the machinery acquired. So to cool the building down, so before the days of air conditioning, they put grass on the roof, um, to, and that cooled it down to natural coolant. And then they realised that the grass was go growing too far, and they couldn't really get a lawnmower up there. So they put sheep on the roof to eat the grass. That's brilliant. And then, <laughs> that's a brilliant sort of occasional... You must have occasionally just had this sort of... It's not like roadkill, it's like air-kill sheep. It's just... Oh, you've got a new rug. Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> it's leaking. Well, I think that's a great idea. There you go. And then you could, like, put bridges for the sheep to migrate. And I, don't know, I, think, I think this is a really fun... Uh, I don't know why you guys aren't all <laughs> carrying me aloft for saving the planet and making sheep bridges in the air. That's a great idea. I'm close to it, yeah. Okay. And what, what's, what's your third? Well, this, this is more of a... A uh, sort of philosophical, biological idea. Um, <laughs> has, has anyone here heard of Wilhelm Reich? Well, the thing is, he, he had this theory, right, Wilhelm Reich, about uh, this stuff called orgone. Basically, he was a contemporary of Freud, right? And in the 30s, he developed this theory. And the theory was that um, there was this sort of massless energy, kind of like dark matter, like everywhere in the universe, called orgone. And that uh, a lot of the problems of the world were caused by orgone. Um, and it was something, it's, it's almost like the force, you know, in Star Wars. Uh, it's all around us and, and, and within us. And 
what he thought was causing aggression uh, and, and the build-up of, of sort of bad feeling in people was a constriction of the flow of their bodily organ. Um, he went quite a long way with this theory, and uh, he built this thing called an organ accumulator, and you can buy them online still. They're like $2,000, um, which is it's like a big metal box that you sit in, and it sort of focuses your, your organ energy. Um, and the thing is, organ, let me unpack the word organ, okay? So, so uh, the, the, the own bit is just to make it sound science-y. The org bit, and this is not me, right? This is Wilhelm Reich in the 30s. The org bit comes from orgasm. So orgasm, it's orgasm power that he was saying was everywhere in the universe. And that what was causing our aggression uh, and world wars was a constriction of the flow of our bodily organ. So he, he proposed that we spend as much time as we can <laughs> attempting, if you will, <laughs> this is not me, to deconstruct <laughs> the flow of our bodily organ. So... As I say, he built this organ accumulator. Um, you can buy it online. You can eat, like, it's like $2,000. You can buy a patch for like 50 bucks. I don't know where you're supposed to put it. But um, I don't want it anymore. But like, he, he went crazy with this theory, right? He, said, he basically felt that like, you, could, you could match the power of three nuclear reactors with one 14-year-old boy's bedroom. Like, he built these guns, huge, big cannons. I don't know what he was compensating. That he pointed and he said you, he, that with these cannons, he could pull the orgon power from the sky and shoot it back up into the clouds to precipitate rain. He claimed to have fended off a UFO invasion in the skies over Arizona by firing at the UFOs with his massive orgone cannon. <laughs> He was arrested by the FDA <laughs> um, and put into prison. Um, but I think he's onto something, right? I, I do. I think, I, cause I think we all know what it's like when we have quite a heavy constriction of the flow of our bodily organ, right? And, uh, you know, uh, it can cause aggression. And what I'm saying is, I would like, in an ideal world, I'd like it written into our constitution that every politician at least three times a day, should have to, by law, you're way ahead of me, madam, deconstruct their bodily organ, right? Because then they'd just be like calm and rational, level-headed, thinking clearly, you know, and not constricted with bodily organ. Like, I don't want them full of bullish sexual energy. You know, like footballers, right? They're not allowed to deconstruct their bodily organ the night before a football match, right? So that they're pumped full of bullish sexual energy. Right? So, and that's, I don't want my MPs full of bullish sexual energy, right? I mean, look at Farage. There's bullish sexual energy. Right? You know what I mean? I think the best thing for the world right now, if some brave women or men, whatever, cows, would just go and volunteer to deconstruct the bodily organ of Farage, Trump, and Putin. I think that would be a great thing. I'm sorry for ranting, but I feel quite strongly about this. I mean, I... Uh, I would say that in the case of Trump, um, 
I don't think you could ever fully drain the orgone out of that man. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, he's like a furnace. Like, you, uh, I don't know, like a milking machine. Le lesions. I'm sorry. I, you know, until you, you just have to keep going until it was like squeezing a half-empty bottle of talcum powder, you know? Just, just that kind of... Or Orangina, maybe. Orange. Speak for yourself, okay, uh, Hayden. But, um... Yeah, just smoky white dust, you know. <laughs> Come in, you know. Donald J. Trump is called. <laughs> oh. We're gonna build a wall. <laughs> I'm sleepy. I, just, I think it could be a good thing. Look at ISIS. ISIS is another case in point, right? You know, like they're they're the whole thing. They're all these fighters, right? They're they're fighting like they're not trying to promote. Islam, right? They're in it for the 72 virgins, right? It's obvious, right? Of course they are. They're these young men and they're, and they're pumped full of bullish sexual energy. Like, because you don't, like, there could be an airstrike at any time, right? You're, you're an average ISIS soldier, right? You're out there. There could be an airstrike at any minute. Well, you don't want to get wiped out, suddenly arrive in heaven with your bodily organ depleted, right? So you're not going to deconstruct your bodily organ, right? So they must be walking around with this amazing build-up of bodily organ in them. I mean, is it wrong to speculate that maybe they're not using suicide vests? It's just their tight little balls exploding, <laughs> covering us in organ shrapnel. I'm sorry, that's, that's really inappropriate. Um, but I think it would make the world a better place. Please, please, for me. As soon as possible, please deconstruct your bodily organ. Not now, not now. <laughs> when you get on the bus at home. <laughs> That's my proposal for a better world. So I was going to say, I, I wasn't with you on the first two, but... <laughs> <laughs> I know you're with me on the last one. You seem so calm and floaty. Brilliant. Uh, so that, that's it, really. Those are, those are my submissions. Uh, do you, are you happy with them? Um, I'm, I'm happy with the third one. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. I see. I thought. I thought of all of them, that was going to be the one you were like, "Come on." But but no. Apparently, you just hate bicycles. A man who hates bicycles. <laughs> well, that is just the concept of not owning a bike. For then to just be, you'd have bicycle rubbish in the street. You know, you'd have gears. People would be tripping no, over spores. No, 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 and that you know that would be fun. <laughs> I don't know why it would be fun, but it would be fun. They'd all be at the bottom of the hills, by the way. They, they, you're right, they'd all be at the bottom of the hills. You're absolutely right, I hadn't thought of that. And, okay, okay, okay. With the tunnels, with the tunnels we build under roads, we just level all hills. There will be no hills, we just fill in everything that's not a hill. And, and then global warming, when the sea rises, it doesn't matter, because we've, we've raised the land level. Okay, okay, now, now I'm sorry. Okay, and plus, with tunnels, there's lots of, you know, nice, dark, quiet areas for anyone if they need to deconstruct any body or building up in I should probably go, because I'm due for a deconstriction any year. Jay, yeah, thank you very much. Thank you very much, Thank you, thank you. I just want to ask, who thought that when they'd walk into this room, that they would walk out knowing what releasing bodily organ actually <laughs> meant? <laughs> uh, so let's get up our next 
guest, which is Elise Harris. Hello, Hayden. Hello. Hello. My, pro my proposition is a lot more serious. It's, got, it's get rid of gender entirely. You're with me? That's a good idea, isn't it? Yes. It is really good. Right. Now, this is from an early age. I remember when I was a little kid, I had a tiny little car. It was a little white car, and I played with my car every day. And then, when I was about three, my mum and dad came into the room, and they said, you can't have the white car anymore. It's a boy's toy. And I was like, what? And they're like, no, you can't have it. You're, you've got a new brother coming. He's going to be born next week. And they took it away, and they said, they'll give it to my brother. And I was outraged. Not least, he wasn't born yet. He was still a fetus. Also, this little white car, most of the paint had already come off it, and it was probably lead-based paint. I mean, as a three-year-old, I probably shouldn't have had it, but a little tiny baby definitely shouldn't have had that car. I don't think so. So the whole thing about gendered toys and gendered things, it's just from, from then, I was like, what? But I went the other way. I decided that I was just going to wear skirts all the time because if I wore just skirts, if I wore ever trousers, I thought everyone's going to think I'm a boy. And so I, every day I'd wear a little skirt and I'd go, I can't wear trousers. I really want to wear trousers. They're quite good. I can't wear. And then I'm, when I was about four, we moved. And uh, the, there was a girl two doors away and she came out of her house. She was wearing Rupert the Bear trousers. I was like, she's a girl. She's definitely a girl. She's wearing trousers. I can wear trousers, and people aren't going to think I'm a boy. That's amazing. And it was a revelation. It was amazing. So I was from that, I'm like, how can I do this? Uh, later on, I was about, well, I was about 12, and I'm going to skip back in a minute, but I was about 12, I read Desmond Morris, The Naked Ape. It's all about human behavior. And he's got all these things about what women do and what men do and what they definitely do and what they don't do. One of the things he said is when you pass people on the street, all women turn away from people, all men turn towards. I was like... So I always turn towards people now from then on. The other thing is like putting your leg on your knee. And so instead of crossing your legs, you've got your foot on your knee. He said, no, no woman ever does that. So from then on, I do it all the time and I feel like such a rebel. I'd be doing it and I'm like, ha ha, I'm doing something that no woman has ever done before. It's amazing. Another thing he said is all women, all women have thigh gaps. See, he's a revolutionary there, and now it's like, yo, you've got to have a thigh gap. You're not a proper woman unless you've got a thigh gap. But Desmond Morris got there first. It's ridiculous. I've never met a real woman with a thigh gap. Never, ever. It's ridiculous. Anyway, skipping back from then, but before that, <laughs> before that, right, toys. I don't understand why there are girls' toys and boys' toys. It's stupid. It's stupid, and it's stupid, and it's stupid. I did always want a Cindy when I was a child, and I didn't get one until quite late. But when I did eventually got it, the first thing I did was cut off all its hair and call it a punk single mother, and I had a little baby doll on that. <laughs> and I always wanted to play. I, I did like the Cindy doll, but I really, really wanted the evil Knievel that my brother had that was amazing <laughs> and cool. And it, just, it was like a bike, and you put it in, and it just went off. Like, it was amazing. It did stunts and everything. And you also got, like, a little kit car, like um, Knight Rider. It was a knockoff. It wasn't really. But it had little buttons on it, and you could program it, and it could go everywhere. And I was like, can I have these things? No, they're boys' toys. I was like, Aah! So recently, I've decided to take a stand. Because the thing is, people perceive you in a certain way. You, they look at you. You, you know, where, and you're like, you have to wear certain things. 
And it's just ridiculous. About five years ago, it's, 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 when you've got long hair, everyone thinks you're a woman, even if you're not a woman. I've got a friend who's a, who's a man, and he's got a big beard and curly hair, and he goes out, and people go, hello, madam, and he's like, goo, goo, that's ridiculous. Once, I, I went out in a, a, a jacket that my mum had bought me, which was a woman's velvet jacket, and I was wearing jeans, and I, was wear, I got my hair, so it's not always when you've got a long hair, because I still had long hair then, but I had it back, and I went into a... A, um, a computer shop, which I think maybe still traditionally is where men go, where women don't buy computers. Why would you want a computer? You need an iron. You don't need a computer, do you? So anyway, I had my back to the assistant, and he said, hello, sir, how can I help you? And I turned around, and all I could do, because I was so shocked, was just point at my bosom. <laughs> and he was like, oh, I'm sorry, madam. And I'm like, meh. And I just walked out in disgust. We could all wear whatever clothes we want, do whatever we want. I'm not saying, I'm not getting rid of biological sex, you can have that, but if we just went, doesn't matter. I mean, the, the oh, Native come on, have Ameri some ambition. Have some ambition, all right, we'll get rid of that too. But no, the Native Americans apparently had five or six genders before they got invaded and stuff, and they got rid of them all. But, you know, they just go, eh, it doesn't matter. You know, do you want to wear that? It's fine. Do you want to love that person? That's fine. Do you want to call, it's just so they had, they could do what you wanted. There was no restrictions. It was beautiful. And people sort of go, oh, well, you're a man or you're a woman, therefore you must do this. I, I got sent a Getty um, photo sort of thing. That you, they sent a, a whole sort of photo essay, all the photos they had that they decided were to celebrate gender fluidity the other week. I was like, all oh, right, that's interesting. Look at those. Almost all of them were just young women playing football, being a doctor, wearing construction helmets, and it was like, oh, doing science. It was like... Really? What? I don't, it was like, what? Really? In this day and age, that's gender fluidity, having an education and walking down the streets and, and not having to step six feet behind your man. And it's just, what, cover your whole body with, with parmesan? I don't know. That's not really a woman thing, is it? That would be a bit weird. I don't even know where I'm going now. They're, no, they're, they're the first person to have actually legally made it so that they haven't got a gender. And he, he was apparently, well, they, 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 were, they were married, they, they were in the army, uh, they retired, and suddenly went, and suddenly decided to transition into a woman, and then went, oh, I'm not a woman, and I like my wife, and I'm not a, a woman like my wife, I don't really want a gender at all. So he thought, they thought, <laughs> so it's very difficult to do, really, that they thought, I'm going to just change it so that I haven't got a gender. And all, he, all they did, oh, it's terrible, isn't it? It's too hard. All they did was they, they filled in a form and, and um, put in a sort of application and paid $1,000, and, and they thought it would be really hard, and it wasn't. And they're going, all right, there you are. And it's amazing because legally you can just go, eh, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I did, though, just, just want to ask, though, because can't... We kind of have this. Yeah, but you can, you can kind of do bits. You can anyway. do that anyway. Yeah. But that it's not like you optionally choose it. You just don't have it in the first place. And I suppose then Donald Trump would never have been able to have Miss World. So you know. Yeah. Is that Miss Universe? Which well, no, but he'd have. Uh, he's a bit of a lech. He'd probably just have like, every universe. He'd just yeah, probably a universe. Like, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Whatever. Oh, that's another thing about unisex. I mean, what I I found I got some um, shower gel from from a, a hotel the other day, and it says unif unisex fragrance. It's like, what makes... Um, it, it's made of plant extracts. I like lavender. Exactly, and it's made of plant extracts. What makes rose a girly thing and sandalwood a man thing? It's not... They're just plants. Plants just don't... What? <laughs> it's just ridiculous, isn't it? You should do what you want. Sold. Sold, yeah.
Elise Harris, thank you very much. Um, yes, I'm not, I'm not going to repeat anything about token women stuff. I think that might be uh, unwise. So next up, uh, we have Holly Dillon. Oh, like you, you, you've got the posh moleskin and everything. Oh. That is, a, that is the name of a notebook rather than anything else. Now thinking what else it could be. <laughs> posh moleskin. Hat. Hiya. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh <yeah. laughs> um, so my proposal um, as a silent mime is um, to teach clown as part of the curriculum. Um, and have it as uh, an emotional education, uh, as we do not have one uh, as such um, uh, at standing point. Um, and perhaps if we had clown as important as uh, English, science and maths, um, current parliament wouldn't be in, in such a, a mess because we wouldn't have let them in in the first place because we would have seen through, <laughs> seen through their emotional lives. Um, no, but seriously, uh, I, I studied clown since I was four years old, which um, is unusual. Um, I, I do understand. Um, <laughs> and my mum, I think, took one look at me and uh, realised that um, my best rabbit impression that I'd been working on for a while um, was a, a serious matter as opposed to um, something that should just be laughed at um, and therefore uh, put me into clown school. <laughs> this is a real thing that's actually happened. Um, and... I'm going to share with you what I learned, and I feel that maybe uh, something that we could sort of take away with us. I don't know, Mabes. Let's see. So, um, for example, one of my idols is Chaplin, and according to Chaplin, uh, the things that we would learn as a clown are authenticity, respect, emotional maturity, self-confidence, simplicity, self-love. Modesty, fulfillment, wisdom, I can't read my own handwriting, wisdom of the heart, and how to slip on a banana skin, artistically. <laughs> solid life skills, I think you'll all agree, uh, solid skills and values there. Um, nothing that um, I wouldn't aspire to be as a human being, I think. Uh, oddly enough, I realised looking at uh, particular curriculum goals of um, your average science lesson. I don't think maturity is on the curriculum there. Um, fulfillment, I'm not quite sure. Authenticity, certainly not when we're discussing biology. Um, so I don't know, like for me, uh, I figure if it's a subject on its own, can it stand alone? What would you expect? Would you expect how to honk your horn the largest? Or... Um, how to get in and out of a, a very small car with all of the rest of your classmates. Um, in biology, perhaps, uh, is does my flower smell better than yours and will I get wet while smelling it? Like, <laughs> you know, standard views, uh, things that you would need in, in everyday life. Um, so, I, you know, I think it's, it's one of those things where if, like, you... If you were to implement this in your life, for example, how would you wake up in the morning? Would you use your toothpaste? Would you stand up? Would you maybe roll out? Would you have a bed? Would you live in a house? Like, would you even have a car? Would, would we have civilization? What, 
would we write? Would we, would we just throw pies at each other every day? I don't know. And I'm kind of, I'm kind of excited that that might be a thing. Um, just over the fact that, uh, given the likes of, uh, there was a quote that was, um, Boris Johnson is a big clown. And um, I, it was a sad day for me. <laughs> it was a really sad day. Because I, he's not in the truest sense that I would, well, I would feel as a true, real clown, as someone who lives for joy and only joy. <laughs> and is quite happy that the, if, if the pain is on themselves, if that is at the expense of everyone else's joy. And Chaplin, actually, <laughs> is, um, was quoted as saying that uh, my pain may be the reason for someone's laugh, but if my laugh is at the expense of someone else's pain, that it shouldn't be the reason. And I, I completely agree. Um, I, 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 I don't agree with modern politics. I am a bit of an anarchist at heart. Um, however, uh, even though I do feel that there's a sort of beauty in chaos, uh, I, I don't know. Maybe we do need a structure. Maybe we do need some sort of, so, so, sort of lives and we can't all just live in a field somewhere and, and rainbow-coloured and, and sing songs or not speak to each other and just communicate through mime or tickles. <laughs> Maybe we can't do that. But, and this is what I'll leave you with, failure is unimportant. It takes courage to make a fool out of yourself. And that is how I live my life. Because if I fall over and hit my head and I get up and I laugh and I move on, I don't think about it ever again. But if I fall over and people make a big deal about it and it's so bad and terrible and awful and how could I not seen it there in the first place and oh look now you've made a mess and all the rest of it, then I'll remember it for the rest of my life. And there is something there about having that um, emotional wisdom I suppose that I've, I've hit myself and I'll remember that and I won't do it again. Or if it's not a problem, will you fall over next time? Or if you do, will it be a failure? I don't know. Maybe I'm just trying to make more of um, a justification for my, <laughs> my life and the things that I do. <laughs> That'd be great, wouldn't it? <laughs> I'm a clown, what are you gonna do? <laughs> I don't know, they say that God looks after drunks and idiots. Are you, are you a drunk or an idiot that you don't see him? Um, I do, I do. I have been known to um, say that I am a professional idiot. Uh, I do make a living out of that. So I guess I'm kind of qualified to say that. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, I don't know. Well, well, your voice kind of went a bit stewy there, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I'll get back to you on the novel that I'm writing. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Uh, what do you think? Clown, yay or nay? Right? <laughs> I, 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 I don't know, I just think it's a nice idea until you find that, I don't know, makeup gets on everything. And, but... And, and, and then you, yeah, I don't know, you start picking up your toothbrush, but actually it's a bunch of flowers. You know, can you actually operate on a day-to-day -day basis, not knowing up is up and down is down? Well, I don't know. I think that would be great. Because, I mean... Like, you, you say that, but I don't know. You're getting to the toilet, but no, it's, it's not a toilet. It's a cake. I don't know. It'd just be a bit... Would it, though? I'd be really happy with that. 
I went to the bathroom to go to the loo. I got cake! <laughs> cake! <laughs> Thanks very much, universe. <laughs> you, you, you are selling it, you know. You Thank are, you. Well, yeah. you're welcome. So it will be, uh, <laughs> this is uh, the, the grand opening. It will be part of the curriculum as of next week. Uh, I'm now running for mayor. No. <laughs> to, be, to be fair, I do think there's some positions on the shadow cabinet uh, going on. <laughs> yeah, true. Just uh, vote for me. It's uh, Holly for clown. <laughs> Holly Dillon, everybody. Thanks, uh, so, without further, I'm not going to say a do. I hate a do. A do's a kid's song. Anyway, um, without further whatevers, uh, let's welcome Alex Keeley onto the stage. <laughs> The actual problem I have is that basically we have like a past and present imbalance in our politics. So um, we're basically basically just animals that evolved learning to combat scarcity and we'll eat whatever we can whenever we can, which is great if you're trying to survive when there's a dearth, but terrible if we're just in a civilized society and there are billions of us that we just overconsume and destroy the planet. Um, so. I think what we need to do, we, things like climate change, obviously all of our scientists and Leonardo DiCaprio degree, uh, agree that climate change is happening. So politicians won't uh, act save the future, so I propose that when we elect our MPs, uh, they all enter a ballot at the beginning of their term in Parliament, and at the end of the five-year Parliament, half the MPs from that ballot are randomly selected. Those MPs and their families have to immediately enter a cryogenic freezing pod set for 50 years in the future, uh, and then they have to wake up Rip Van Winkle style and uh, experience the long-term ramifications of their <laughs> policies. <laughs> and again, it's not all, I'm not saying I want all of them in there because then they'll be like, well, we don't, who cares if we can eat now? <laughs> I'm, I'm getting the cryogenic pods at the end of this. It's just that half of them, half of them will go on uh, and half of, them, uh, half of them have to get in the pod. Um, uh, that would be good for energy policy because obviously they might have not really cared in the future whether we still have functioning energy systems, but obviously they want their pods to not. You're going to die in the pod if you run out of energy, right? You need to keep the pods going. Um, uh, we'd store the MPs uh, in Parliament, I think. I don't know why, but we just have like a pod chamber in Parliament, possibly in the bar because a lot of people get very angry the, M the MPs have their own bar. So I think that we keep the bar, but then we have all the cryopods in the bar. So it kind of creeps you out to have to go to the bar. Like, it's like the best way of light regulation stopping the MPs boozing too much. Or like that we store the beers in the cryopods and they have to like open. It's kind of really take the, the, the beer out of the pod. Um, I'm just saying the word pod a lot. Um, uh, obviously, it's awkward if you accidentally, if the ballot comes up with lots of the most if like the Prime Minister and the Foreign Secretary and stuff are all in the ballot at the end of their term, so each party gets maybe like three vetoes, and they get to like, just in case, because you probably need some institutional uh, carry on. Um, I mean, and I'd really like to hear your questions on this, mostly. That's, that's, more, that's where I am it, on it. it. It's, quite a, it's quite a thoroughly well thought out, I mean, for something that's batshit crazy. Very practical. No, no, it's, very it's, practical. Pretty, <laughs> it, it's pretty... It's pretty well thought out. I mean, I'm, 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 I'm quite impressed. Thank you, please.
So lose, lose their money's one, I think that's possible. Yes, yeah, so the, the, the question was, what about the, the fact that a lot of these politicians are millionaires? Do they gain compound interest? What should happen? Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, that's pretty well done. Yeah. <laughs> so one proposal is that they uh, lose all their money. Um, I think that's a that's sort of a good one. I think not lose all their money, but they have to be pegged that they just that you don't have any money when you go in the pod with your family, and you're pegged to the median income of the country. Yeah, and just no. Well, me, well, let's well, come well, on, guys. Well, median. Well, we've got to respect our. We're respecting. We're, we're podding them, but we are still respecting our MPs enough to give them median wage. But, but what, what, what about I don't know the kind of cryogen tax. Um, okay. Okay. So you know that when you go into cryogenically frozen, then there's a certain percentage that's that's calculated that's I don't know it, you yeah. have to pay for upkeep of your own sort of right cold prison right <laughs> right right I mean I quite like that idea um yeah I, I, what about state pension state pension so do we so are they are they considered to age it depends it depends who because if they go in at 45 they're coming out it depends on your definition at either 45 or 95 so I think that they don't, I think, sorry, I don't think that they get a pension unless they're over the age of 65, in which case they get maybe a second's worth of pension for that, because I think they can, they're considered to be frozen. But surely in 50 years, then they've got to the point where it's 85 in order to retire, so... Uh... Perfect. <laughs> I mean, I'm realising there are just lots of potential flaws. In it. It's almost like it's mad. So do we hang the dartboards... Uh, on the, on the face of the pods, yes. As long as it's it would, it's important not to not to pierce the pod chambers overall. Um, ma ma magnetic darts. Yeah. Okay. Like the kind of yeah the friendly ones, and it's like a metal. Yeah. And then the, uh, I was going to say, it's because what happens to the rest of the families? They have to like leave them behind. Well, I was thinking. So what happens to the rest of the families? I was thinking. The whole fact, but I was thinking more like nuclear family amount. So like cousins, no, you're not coming in the pods. Um, maybe in the French Parliament, I'm not sure. But I think it's more as a, as a British thing. Anything else is really helping me frame my idea to get more queries. Would they be frozen naked or enclosed? <laughs> I think I think they're frozen. I think they're frozen. Uh, in whatever state of dress they were in at their last speech. So presumably, <laughs> mostly they'll be clothed, but we can't rule out any nakedness in part. How, how will we vote which ones go in and which ones stay? It's completely ballot. It's got, it's got to be... They can't know at the beginning, yeah. and it has, it, so it has to happen at the very end of Parliament, like just before everyone goes off to campaign for the next one. They're like, I can't wait to fight the election in <laughs> Lambeth South. And then it's like, nope, you're in the pod. <laughs> like, it's not, it's not happening. <laughs> It's really bad because they have to then select a new candidate for Labour in that seat. Yeah, I think I think you'll get more people who genuinely want to make the world a better place, but you also get quite a large number of sci-fi fans that just <laughs> want to be in a pod. That's all that's happening. When we have like ten thousand at one point, it's fine, right? Yeah. But uh, so is it is it a state-owned cryogenic company? Yeah. Yeah, which is already very political, isn't it? Because then people will be like, privatise the pods, privatise <laughs> all the Tories come in. Want to get private companies running these pods more efficiently. I mean, they pay for their own, but surely that puts off poorer people from becoming MPs in the first place. 
And so, you know, surely it has to be, it would have to be, like, state-run, and it would, the cost would have to go on the state. Otherwise, you're putting off poor people who want to actually be cryogenically frozen for the next 25 years. But who would administer that? Think of the admin fees. <laughs> do we think the vetoes? Do we think the vetoes is a good idea? Because it threes. A, then you could have. Yeah. It's all right, isn't it? I don't know. It's okay. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, all, I'm almost. Yeah, I'm almost convinced. You know. Yeah. Yeah. I we just need like it. the technology. And, and the will. I think. <laughs> I think the one thing on this is I want uh, it done. At the moment, like I want, I want us to do it when we have cryogenic technology, but almost like not do it quite until we have advanced medical sciences, so that people, so the politicians are more incentivized to fund those to help them if they, because they'll probably be side effects from being podded that long. <laughs> and then, yeah, okay, I think it's, I think we're done. <laughs> Alex Keeley, thank you very much. <laughs>Whittacombe, how are you doing? I'm fine, but you're very late. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We, 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 we've been talking about some really interesting things, and I'm, I'm, I'm really quite sad that you're not here to share them with me, and I really don't want to upset you, and I'm really sorry. Will you forgive me? I'm really sorry. I genuinely am sorry. Hello? Hello. How are you doing? I'm doing perfectly well, thank you. Um, this feels a bit awkward. I'm, uh, I am genuinely sorry. Um, yeah, I am very, very grateful for you joining us here tonight. And the audience here can attest to the fact that I look rather uncomfortable at the moment. Um, can you not, audience? <laughs> yes. Um, are you... Um, so we're just talking about, you know, what things would you do to change the world? Um, I know you had quite a rather interesting one. And um, I hope you'd share with the crowd here. All right, are you ready? Oh, yes. So, ladies and gentlemen, without any further introduction, it is the one, the only, Anne Widdicombe.
Imagine listening to the winds flying among the lupins and rhododendrons and not being able to hear anything else. Some chance. These days, noise seems to be a must. Students must have music to accompany their studies. And they swear the effects on their concentration are entirely beneficial. No party justifies its name unless its noise carries for miles. People can't walk along a street without headphones transmitting music or without holding a sort of device to their ears which once lived on a cradle in the hall. Noise pursues you. Your telephone ringing, other people's telephones ringing, other people's loud conversations motorbikes roaring up behind your car. Catching a train means listening to tannoy, ordering you to stay with your luggage, to stand clear of the train approaching platform two, or to look online for the latest exciting travel offer. Shoppers need earmuffs to avoid the barrage of staff announcements and customer offers. The dialogue in films is dragged out by the background cord. Televisions and radios talk to themselves in deserted rooms, and children's games are punctuated by bings and bongs. Kitchens are full of humming, churning machines, screeching coffee grinders, oven alarm bells and police, and those awful smoke alarms, which go off as soon as the grill goes on. No talking in class. It's rude to shout to someone in the street. Don't whisper in company. Shh. This is church. My childhood was full of anti-noise injunctions. Even if we had by then got past the stage where children should be seen but not heard. Once all you heard in doctor surgeries were coughs and sneezes. Now these are accompanied by music which no patient can turn off. Indeed, if you have a scan, the very limited place in the tube is full of clunks and knocks occasionally punctuated by exhortations as to how well you're doing, when all you're doing is lying still. The BBC recently wanted to record birdsong, but allegedly could find nowhere in the entire kingdom where there was no extraneous noise. So, if I were king for a day, the world would fall silent but for birds and bees. The motorist who honked an irate horn would be greeted by a quiet, from the instruments. TVs would turn themselves off. Motorbikes would trundle silently. Muzak would cease. Angry Alsatians and Rockfilers would whisper instead of bark. And people who shouted would be ever so quietly taken to the tower. Everybody would have to spend at least a day as silent as a Trappist monk, away from the roar of consumerism, the din of competition and the hullabaloo of modern equipment. Well, there would be a list of permitted sounds, such as waves on the shore, bees droning in bugliers, nightingales singing, woodpeckers pecking, owls would be allowed to hoot, the wind to sigh, the hedges to rustle. As night fell, people in cities would travel beyond the urban globe and look up at the planet, silent with awe. The next day, a few more sounds would be introduced. Children laughing, ducks quacking, bells ringing melodically in the distance, and some quiet conversation. 
Would I pass a law to make it all permanent? I wouldn't have to, because after a short while, people would like it too much and need to be compelled to eliminate noise. We would all stand and stare quite happily and marvel at the world in which we live. And the only sounds we would make would be deep sighs of contentment that at last we could hear ourselves think. I know, I know, I, I, I feel inspired. Um, I guess, what, was it, is the idea then that it would be for just the one day that you were in charge, or is, or is it now kind of f for here and evermore type of thing? Well, as I say, you know, the next day I would, would introduce a few more noises uh, so that we gradually got used to an acceptable level. Uh, so I suppose we have to imagine that I'm king for more than one day. Uh, so it would be a slight r ramping up, and then. Would this be a kind of end to, I don't know, Muse concerts? I, I, I do quite like a good, a good rock concert every, every so often. But would, would they, because they're oh, in no. a... The, oh, no. 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 but But not, not, no. Even, not even like a, a zone, you know, where you can just have a noise zone and then you have like a fallout radius. And so, you, so, you, so if you don't want the noise, you can just step outside the, the fallout radius. Okay, maybe we... That, I mean, that, that, sounds, that sounds pretty nice. Um, but, then, but then, at the same time, does that mean it would only be pure noise and there'd be no silence ever, because that also doesn't sound great? Or are you allowed any silence there Very at all? Very good question, but I'm so libertarian, I'd let you noisy people do what you like on your noisy island. <laughs> is, that, is that whatever we like? Is that, um, can, I, can I quote you on that? Does anyone else have any... Uh, can anyone else help me pick this apart? I, I feel like we can... Yeah. Oh, yeah, good. C can you listen to really loud music through headphones? Through th a sound-isolating headphones that no-one else can hear apart from you? Well, first of all, they're, they're not isolating. They always, always leak, as I know very well on trains. But secondly, of course, you would deafen yourself completely. <laughs> Um, well, I mean, some of, some of the technology now is pretty, uh, pretty you know, you, you probably have a point. Yeah. 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 Yeah, 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 yeah. It's just it's a very difficult thing, I suppose, because what you might find irritating and annoying, some people might, might enjoy and, and find solace in. Uh, yes, but what I'm suggesting is that we all discover uh, is the joys of silence, which I think we've completely forgotten to appreciate. Okay, how, how, how about we just all agree to, I don't know, do it the other way around, half an hour of silence per day, and that's just a way, it's kind of like a, a gateway to experiencing silence. Uh, yeah, um, yeah. Do you mean to say, you, you impoverished creature, that you don't have half an hour of silence every day? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, to, to be fair, that... You've got to stop nattering and, and just... Not, not, not really, no. Um, <laughs> well, uh, only when I'm listening to very loud music through my headphones. Uh, <laughs> um, 
You really mustn't, you know, it's very bad for your ears. Yeah, you know, I, I, well, I mean, yeah, we, 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 th th thanks to the uh, thing on my phone that says you've been listening too loud for too long. Um, yeah, I, I usually though ignore it and turn the music back up. Um, <laughs> any, any more for any more? I'm worried that when, when the car horn driver presses the horn that goes shh, Oh, that's a good point. Yeah, did you, did, did you hear that? Yeah. Uh, I heard that one. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, or, well, he must drive. He must drive more carefully, and then he won't be running people over. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm not. I'm not so sure the uh, run-over pedestrian would quite see it in the same way, though. Um, no. No. I, yeah. I, 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 I definitely think there's, there's there's merit to it. I'm, I'm not. I'm, I'm not convinced what the, the long-term impact would be. And I think we're kind of, we're addicted to noise. So you do have a point there. Um, and it's, it's kind of a nice... Well, you can't manage without it. Well, well, well no. And, and uh, communication is quite an important. How, how are we any different to, um, well, birds, um, if, we, uh, if we can't communicate with each other? If you see bird song is melodious. And the racket that we've now set up in our world is not remotely melodious. Mm, you see, that's where. I, so I, I wherever I, I live. Why don't you just semaphore to each other? You don't need to be just semaphore. Yeah, but, but I'm even going to challenge the whole bird song thing. But everyone goes, bird song's beautiful. Like if it's half four in the morning, I get woken up by a chorus of birds. And I'm not thinking that's beautiful birds. And I'm thinking there's some birds that have woken me up when I could still be sleeping. Well, why don't you put earplugs in? <laughs> I mean, I, I, I don't own earplugs. I, I, I only own in-ear headphones. Uh, <laughs> um, where I listen to loud music. Um, but I think that is, yeah, that's pretty much it. Unless there's anything you'd like to add? I don't think I've got anything to add at all. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Anne Widdicombe, thank you very, very much for your time. It's so very much appreciated. Thank you very much. Thank you. I'd just like to thank um, our five guests this evening, uh, Jake Yap, Elise Harris, uh, Holly Dillon, Alex Keeley, Anne Widdicombe and Ivan Hayden-Cohen. Thank you. Yeah.